You're listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. Well, I'm going to ask you to do something that I don't know that James has ever asked for before. So part of the thing about being the, the substitute preacher um, is I have a full-time job, and so my preparation time doesn't necessarily line up with the, the due date for the bulletin. So you're getting a sermon. It says it's on one, John 1, 35 to 42, but we're actually going to go John 1, 35 to 51. We're going to go a couple more verses. Uh, I think it's important. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you've got a Bible, and I'm very pleased to see some Bibles out there, uh, open it up to John chapter 1, and we're going to look at 35 through 51. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, get one of these magical little things you got out here, and you can go to any, any BibleGateway.com will do it. Uh, there's all kinds of places. But go somewhere where there's a Bible online so you can uh, see the rest of this. Because um, I made an executive decision as I was preparing this sermon that the passage... James gave me was only half the story. Uh, and I don't want to leave you, you know, sitting here wondering what the conclusion to the plot is and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we're going to look at John 1, 35 through 42. If you're here last week, uh, James talked about this idea of the word or the logos. Logos is just Greek for word. And he said that this was the idea that the Jewish people had, that somewhere out there was something that would help them make sense out of life. Something, whether it be an idea, whether it be a person, there's something out there called the Logos or the Word. And that was going to make everything make sense. And that what we read in that first part of John is that the Logos was talking about Jesus. Jesus is the Logos. He is the Word. That's why John starts out calling Jesus the Word made flesh. So, the idea there is that Jesus is this Logos, this thing that's going to make everything else make sense. You say, great. How does that work? Well, today we're going to kind of get to see uh, what that looks like. That's, that's what we're looking at today. And uh, caveat number two, um, this is kind of a one-point sermon. Uh, I, I kind of have one question I want to answer, and I'm going to say I'm going to give it three answers at the end. So uh, I, I tried really, really hard to make this, you know, point A, point B, point C, and I believe that I, I really believe firmly that the text should dictate what you do. Um, I'm here to, to tell you what the Bible says to the best of my ability, not, not you know, um, well, not anything but that. And this passage just sort of resisted any attempt I made to divide it up neatly into a point A, point B, point C. Uh, so the only thing I know how to do is tell you what the passage says. So here's the question that I want you to keep in mind as we engage with this story. Why was this Jesus person so attractive to the people that he met? That's the question I want, to, I want you to keep in your mind as we read this story. Why was Jesus so attractive 
And not, I don't, I, I'm not necessarily meaning in a physical sense, just in every kind of way. Why was he so attractive to these people that he met? All right? Got that in your mind? Everybody? We good? All right. John chapter 1, verses, starting at verse 35. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he, meaning Jesus, walked by. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God. So we start with John the Baptist. That's the John that's being mentioned here. You may remember John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins, right? Their moms were sisters. And John the Baptist's entire life and ministry had one purpose. Exactly one purpose. The whole, his whole job was to tell every single person that he meets that the Logos, the Messiah, the one that they've been waiting for, is his cousin. Yeah. There are all these passages about John preparing a way for Jesus. And that's what he did. As somebody that's been in pastoral ministry for, I guess I started serving my first church in 2004, I envy that simple a call. God looked at him and said, here's what you're supposed to do. Tell everybody that your cousin is the Messiah. Okay, what else? Tell everybody that your cousin is the Messiah. Really? Yeah, that's it. And so that's exactly what John did. He spent his whole life saying, He's the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. My cousin is the Messiah. And that's what he's saying right here. Behold the Lamb of God. In this case, the two guys with John immediately leave and run after Jesus. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So Jesus notices the dudes running after him, and he asks them, what are you seeking? What do you want? Why are you running away from your guy to follow me? Don't get confused by their response. They are not asking, where are you staying, because they've heard he's got a cool house. They want to know what his life is like. John the Baptist is so important to them. He's the most important guy in their life. And John is saying, this guy, my cousin, Jesus, he's the one. He's the Messiah. So they want to know all about that. They want to know what is it that's so special about this guy. They want to learn about him because John said that this guy, Jesus, was the answer to all of our problems. And Jesus says, well, come see Now what's interesting to me is that the text does not tell us what they see or learn at Jesus' place. It just says that they went there and stayed with Him for the rest of the day. So they came and saw where He was staying. And they stayed with Him for that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, 
which means Christ. Okay, this is a big deal. Andrew spends one day with Jesus, and not even a whole day. He spends from 10 o'clock in the morning to bedtime with Jesus. And that's enough that he wakes up the next morning and goes rushing to find his brother, as if it's the most important thing in the world, and says, we have found the Messiah. And he drags his brother back. Right now you should be asking yourself, what is the big deal with this guy? Andrew has never met Jesus, but yet after less than one day, he can't help but go find his brother and drag him to Jesus. Why? We find out in the next part. Now this is the, this is the part where you need the new, the, the, the later, later on uh, verses, because I'm going to read verse 43. So make sure that you got verse 43 in front of you. That's, where, that's, the, that's the next part here. Give everybody a second. It's not on the, it's not on the bulletin. That's where you need your device for this. Um, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael decides to get cute. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Here it is happening again. Philip encounters Jesus just like Andrew did. Philip spends a tiny amount of time with Jesus just like Andrew did. And like Andrew, Philip can't help but rush to find his friend Nathaniel and immediately bring him to Jesus. So there's something about this guy. There's clearly something about this guy. Nathaniel, however, is skeptical. This Jesus guy is from Nazareth? Apparently, Nazareth is the kind of place where people marry their cousins or something. I don't know what the deal is, but it has a terrible reputation. Nothing good can come out of that town. But Nathaniel comes anyway. And you better believe Jesus is ready for him. This is verse 47. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming and said of him, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, if you look at that in the old King James, it says, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. In other words, this guy doesn't have any tact whatsoever. He heard my hometown and immediately goes, can anything good come out of there? He's like, hi, thanks, nice to meet you too. I'm Jesus, I'm from Nazareth. Nathaniel said to him, to Jesus, how do you know me? How do you know me? It's a big question. And this is the big moment. This is what we've been leading up to. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus says one sentence, one sentence to Nathaniel, and it completely turns his life around. Two seconds ago, he was like, you want me to come see this guy from this hick town? What's going on? 
One sentence later, you are the the Messiah. You are the King of Israel. You're the Son of God. How is that possible? It is completely because of what Jesus said. When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now we don't know why Nathaniel was under a fig tree. It's honestly not that important why Nathaniel is under a fig tree. What is important is this. Nobody but Nathaniel knew that he was sitting under that tree. Nobody could have known that. And that's exactly why Jesus said it to him. Jesus just told Nathaniel something that nobody could have known about him. So now we have our first answer to the question that I asked you in the beginning. Why was Jesus so attracted to the people that he met? Because he knows them. He knows them deeper than they can understand what it means to know somebody. Y'all, every single one of us, we all long deeply and desperately to be known by another person. We all feel misunderstood. We all ex struggle to express who we are to other people sometimes. We feel alienated and alone. How many times have you sat there and felt like, it does not matter what I say. I cannot communicate this to people. People just don't understand this thing about me. You know, communication is hard. You ever feel like you're trying as hard as you can to say what, what it is that you mean and nobody understands? You just can't get through? You know, I love my wife. I have the greatest wife that God ever made, in my opinion. And so much of the time, when we argue and fight, it's not because there's something real to argue and fight about it. It's because we don't understand what the other person is saying. Most of the time, we're both saying the same thing. We're in agreement. We just can't see that we're in agreement. Communication is hard. It's hard to be known. And that, that's, what, that's all we want, isn't it? We just want to be understood. We just want to figure out the way to say something so the other person will understand what it is that we mean. You know? Jesus could say one sentence to this guy Nathaniel. And Nathaniel understood that this Jesus guy knew him. The way that he longed to be known in a way that nobody else ever had. He's never met this man before. And yet this man knows things deeper about him than anybody else ever has. That's the first reason Jesus was so attractive to the people that he met. Because he knows them. What's the second reason? The second reason is because Jesus was looking for them. In verse 43 we see that Jesus came after Philip. Jesus, it said, Jesus decided to go there. He traveled to where Philip was. He sought Philip out. And he invited Philip to follow him. How special does it make us feel when people care about us enough to look for us? When I was five years old, we took a family vacation with my parents and a bunch of their friends, we all rented a big house at the beach at Gulf Shores. And one day, a bunch of us, all the dads and all the kids, went for a big long walk on the beach. 
At some point, all of us kids take off running. And I take off running with them. But I was the slowest kid. I was also the stubbornest kid, and I wasn't going to... I, I, I was just determined to catch up with him, you know. But I couldn't catch up with him. I'm, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running until I can't run anymore. And they're so far ahead of me, I can't find them. But I've run so far ahead that I've gotten so far ahead of the dads that I can't find them either. So I'm a little five-year-old boy on a very busy beach, middle of Gulf Shores. I don't know where my dad is, and I don't know where my friends are. I don't know where any of the other dads are. You can imagine how that feels. And I look and I look and I look, and I try and, you know, I try and run this way and can't find anybody. I try and run back this way and I can't find anybody, and I keep going and I keep going. Finally, uh, a man and his son, teenage son, noticed me and they said, you know, are you okay? Do you need some help? And I said, I don't, I don't know where my dad is. I don't know where my friends are. You know, I, I couldn't catch up to them and I was too far ahead of them. And they were really, really sweet and they said, we'll, we'll, we'll help you. Let's, let's find your dad. Let's find somebody. And so they, you know, take me around, take me around, take me around until finally we find one of my dad's friends who takes me back to my dad and, you know, 38 years later, the thing that sticks out about that story to me is that my father would stop at nothing to find me. He got everyone. My dad was not a strategic guy. And yet he turned into General Patton. He had every one of those guys take a section of beach from here to here to here he had some. He found like walkie-talkies for him somewhere in you know, 1984, and and had them like patrolling. He's patrolling his section. So we had between the five of them, they had miles of beach covered. So that somehow, somehow, chances were I was going to run into one of them, which is exactly what happened. How will never forget that feeling. When you're a little boy, nothing makes you feel safer than knowing that your dad is looking for you and he will not stop until he finds you. Jesus came looking for Philip. Jesus was not going to stop until he found him. That is attractive. Jesus was attractive to the people that he met because he knows them and because he was looking for them. But there's one more reason this is the, the biggest one. Jesus was so attractive to the people that he met because he came to die for them. More than once in this chapter, when John the Baptist sees Jesus, again, this is his cousin. You know, we get used to these sort of formal addresses in the Bible and the ye's and thou's and all this, but don't forget that these guys are cousins. You know, they are close. And yet when John looks across and sees his cousin, he doesn't say, hey cousin, hey Jesus. He says, behold the Lamb of God. There's a lot of different ways you could describe Jesus. 
You call him the Messiah, you call him the King, you call him the Son of God. Why is it that John the Baptist chooses to call him the Lamb of God? It was because everybody who heard John say those words knew about Passover. When Passover happened, there was only one thing that could save people from dying. You remember what that was? A lamb had to die in their place. They had to kill a lamb and smear the lamb's blood over the doorpost of their house. That lamb had to be sacrificed so that they wouldn't die. The lamb had to die so that these people would not die. When John sees his cousin and refers to him as the Lamb of God, every single person there in that culture is going to know what that means. This one here is going to sacrifice himself for the things that you have done wrong. He is going to give up his life as a sacrifice for you. The Lamb of God is the sacrifice that makes us right with God. So in Jesus, you have a man that knows you better than anybody ever could. You have a man who looks for you until he finds you and then dies to make you right with God. That's somebody worth following. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us for not seeing how beautiful you are. Forgive us for, for going after garbage when you're coming after us. We all need you so badly. If there's anybody in this room that has not felt what it's like to be known by you, what it's like to know that you come looking for us, I pray that they would not leave here today until you've met them. I pray all these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.